my cardio workout, getting up and down and back and forth, going with that. And uh, <laughs> my wife and I had a cardio workout today. We were, she was at a cardiologist, and they said, you need to have this test, go schedule it next door. Well, we thought it was the other building. So we walked all the way down from the hospital to the other building. They go in and said, no, it's back at that other building. So I'm not getting on my treadmill for three weeks. And uh, we're over there. John chapter 14 this morning. This morning, this evening. I didn't take a nap either. <laughs> hey, you'll get old someday, all right? Don't laugh at old people. We'll be there. John chapter 14. You say, oh, it's a funeral sermon. All right, chapter 1. All right, chapter 14, verse 1. Most folks, when they think of John 14, 1 through 6, they think it's a funeral sermon. And I don't know how many times I've used it in a funeral. Now, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. Or I go to prepare a place for you. All right? Uh, and we think of it that way. But uh, I'm, I want to help teach. The Bible study is Wednesday night, so you're going to keep your Bible open. We're going to be in John chapter 14. We're also going to back up to John 13 because we're going to see why Jesus addressed the situation with the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Because so many times we just jump right in this. And, and let me help you with that. As you're reading through your Bible and studying, I know there's chapters, and that's for you to find a reference. But also look and see how that chapter flows from the other one. Uh, a, lot of time, a lot of times you see the word therefore. Well, it's, I learned this in college. See what therefore is therefore. You know, what, how does it tie in? How do you work with it as you study your Bible? So many times as we read our Bible, we just say, okay, did my three chapters in this. this. We did five chapters here. All right, I did that. I'm going to finish the Bible in a year and go with that. And many times we miss because we cut off at this end and we don't pick up where the rest of it's going on. So I wanted to help you with something. It, it's a Bible study time. And so John chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. What a promise. What a promise. Father, help us to be a help to our people tonight. I pray you'd help me. Father, speak through me. I only ask that I be a blessing and a help, and the Holy Spirit might have liberty. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus talking to his disciples because he knew that their hearts were troubled. Why would he turn around and say, let not your hearts be troubled? He sensed because he was God, he sensed, okay, they, they're having a problem with this. But we jump, go from there and say, okay, he's going to take care of these things because he tells us in verse 2 and verse 3 about the mansions, and he's going to come back again in verse 6, the famous one, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, and we go with that. But there's some things that happened that were troubling to them. And if we'll back up in chapter 13 and look at those things, uh, it, it'll help you. Look at verse 21, chapter 13 and verse 21. It says, when Jesus had thus said he... Uh, had thus said he was troubled in spirit. So notice Jesus was also troubled in spirit about some things because he says, what, whatever, he troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. So you can imagine as they're there and we think of uh, what's taking place and everything else and, and we think of the, the Passover that's taking place and he says, when are you going to betray me? Well, these guys have traveled together for probably three, three and a half years. They've been part of Jesus' public ministry. And if you read other accounts in the Gospels, they're saying, well, who is it? You know, and, and I can picture in my mind, and, and, and I'm guilty when I read my Bible. I, I've got a little childish mind. I, I picture 
what's happening. I mean, whether it's David and Goliath and, and David picking up those stones and coming at him or whatever. I mean, I can picture the whole thing going on. And some of you think, well, you're old enough. You probably watched it going on. But I'm not quite that old, all right? Brother Fowler may have seen it, but I haven't seen it, right? But no, you stop and realize that as, as we go through things and try to picture what's going on. So now they're troubled. Who's the betrayer? What's going on? What, what are they dealing with? Uh, he, he sees the thing. By the way, realize God knows when you're troubled. God loves us and knows our every thought. And when you're troubled, he knows all about it. The Bible says that, uh, that he was also troubled. We saw that same thing in verse 21. Jesus himself was troubled. Right? He, he knew what lay ahead for him. He knew the Garden of Gethsemane was coming. He, he knew that he who knew no sin, which was him, would become sin for us. He knew because of that, uh, because of sin, he, he knew the, the, the heart of God, that God would turn around and turn his back on him. He'd be separated from God the Father, never been separated from God the Father. So he too was troubled in knowing what was going on. And I think he was also, this is my thought, I think he was troubled because he knew the battle the disciples were going to have. We get after Peter for denying the Lord thrice. And that's another thing that, that he brings out, uh, that, that Peter's going to deny him. But uh, all the other disciples booked too. <laughs> I mean, you look, they were all gone. All right? uh, Peter's the one because he seems to speak quickest and, and loudest that he's the one that turns around and gets the attention but but all of them booked all of them left what was going on uh, another one I, the reason they were troubled I think if you look down in verse 33 of chapter 13 um, and, and if that's one you know you kind of get in the right chapter that's chapter 12 all right little children yet a little while I am with you ye shall seek me and as I said unto the Jews whether I go you cannot come so now I say unto you he's saying I'm not gonna be here long they were looking for Jesus as the conquering king. He'd already told them he was going to go to the cross. He told them he was going to die. And now as they gave up, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew gave up their fishing business. Matthew's no longer a tax collector. These folks have given up their, their livelihood and are following the Lord, and the Lord said, I'm not going to be here much longer. Where do they go from here? They already knew that the, the, the Pharisees, the religious crowd, hated him. They also had targets on their back, and I think they were troubled because of that. Also, he was only going to be there just a little while. He wasn't going to be there much longer. And then in verse 38, he says, Jesus, chapter 13, Jesus answered him, uh, wilt thou, and, and speaking of Peter, he said, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. So he, he says, Peter, you're going to deny me. And so now he comes in after that background he tells the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Things are going to work out. And we need to realize, and I, I entitled this, why the Christian should not be troubled. And, and let me give you a little a secret here. As you go, let not your heart be troubled. Chapter 14, verse 1. Je drop down to about verse 27 of chapter 14. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I think if we'll take from verse 1 to verse 27, you're going to see the Lord put some things in there to be able to help the folks not to have troubled hearts. If you were in a literature class or writing class and you're sitting down putting things together, you're saying, okay, here's my topic sentence, and then you have a summary at the very end of it. And this is basically, as you look at this, as you're reading, and I'm not in any way trying to bring the scriptures down to a classroom 
But as you sit down and look at these things, you're going to see that there's things that happen, and the Lord puts all, he's, he's addressing the thing about troubled hearts this whole time and working with that. So as you read through that and deal with that, it's important for us to see that. A troubled heart, I put down as a threefold effect. Right? You get doubting. You get fearful. You start questioning things. You lose your joy. You know, uh, the, the, Paul, uh, or, yeah, Paul, Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, 7, uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear. But yet we get troubled about the whole, what's going to happen. And, and we come to the point where we, we don't know what's coming next. We, and, and all of us ha- have an opportunity to deal with things that we can't tell what's going to happen tomorrow because we don't know tomorrow. And that's why we live and trust the Lord day by day by day. Uh, it, 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 and usually when we get troubled about things, and if I can use the word worry about things, we make bad things worse. We let it build up. That, that molehill becomes a mountain. Oh, I've got a doctor's appointment, and he wants to come talk to me, and I don't know what he wants. He had not paid your bill. That's why I want you to come see you. That's why I don't, you know, so, but, but, you know, we, we always do this. And you say, Brother Farber, how, how do you deal with things like that? What do you do? Uh, we, we need to realize God's in control, and he can take care of things. I was talking to a guy the, the, the day gassing up uh, the, the car and everything, and he was on the other side, and he said, well, I remember when we, we, we used to do this and we used to p- pump gas for people. They, I said, yeah, they called that a service station. I said, it worked t- he said, I worked at tech, uh, Texaco Station. I said, yeah, you can trust your car to the man who wears the star. Now, only about six of us will understand that, all right? But, uh, but that, that was one of their slogans that they had, all right? Well, you can trust your life to the one that made the stars, all right? And just realize what God has done for us. Uh, also realize when we get worrying and trouble, it dishonors God because God's in control. My wife's life verse is the one that says he'll not put more on you than, than you can handle. Is that 1 Corinthians 10, 13? There's, everybody here has a load limit, and it's not talking about what's around your waist, okay? It's talking about God knows what he can trust you with. And, and many times I've sat in counsel with folks, and they're just, I don't know what I'm going to do, Brother Farber. I'm not going to do this. I can't do this. Or when I was pastoring, I get pastor, what do I do? Listen, God knows your load limit. And aren't you thankful God said he'd never put more on you than what you're able to bear or he'll make a way for you to escape? So as we trust him, and that's why I go through life just happy-go-lucky and don't worry about things because God knows what I can handle and what I can't. So he doesn't dump a lot on me. or Well, I guess I've been married 51 years. But no, I mean, he, 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 he turns around and gives us what, what we can handle. My wife's the one that's got a heavy load limit with me. All right? So why should a Christian... Uh, not be troubled. Number one, and there's, I'm, I'm not like pastor. I got more than four and work with that, all right? Because of the prospective home awaiting us. I like First John chapter, John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. You stop and realize we got heaven waiting for us. And, and we have to wait for the calendar days to go. It's appointed unto us once to die, you know, and after that the judgment. But but God's eternal, and, and God knows everything that was, that is, and will be. And the Bible says in Ephesians, we're already seated with Him in the heavenlies. So, I, and I and I know preachers up there. God, I, I've been at funerals or whatever. God finished their their mansion and put the welcome mat out. God already saw it built. All right, it's already taken care of. And honestly, I don't think God's up there with the heavenly construction crew, hammer, nails, or what. Now it'd be air gone, or whatever's going on, all right? Uh, he spoke and the stars are there. Oh, and, and I, he made the stars also, all right? It wasn't turning around and say, boy, I've got to take a day, one of these days to make stars. Oh, he made stars also, and all that's going on. We've got a God that can speak all that we see into being, 
And uh, I, think, I think the heaven's already complete. I think our mansion's complete. I, I sit down, and because I deal with finances, I sit down every quarter, and I know I'm quirky, and I do a balance sheet, a personal balance sheet. This is how much I have. This is how much I owe. All right? I do that. Probably about three of you in here even think, oh, I know what a balance sheet is or whatever. But I do that. Assets and liabilities. And let me tell you, I'm a millionaire. I just don't know how much to put for the value of my mansion. But it's got to be pretty pricey because the streets are paved with gold. <laughs> I, I don't know what the road taxes are, but anything like that. But I mean, we, you stop and realize. So, so I figure somewhere in there, I haven't tried to take that to the bank and borrow money. Uh, but to turn around and say, these are my assets. I've got a mansion in heaven that God has prepared for me. I've got a home in heaven that God has. You stop and realize, in my father's house, I don't have to be troubled because I, I know what the future holds. And I know who holds the future. I don't have to fret about it. And Jesus says, I've gone to prepare the way. I see, I, I, he, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. He's prepared it. Now, he hadn't gone to the cross when this, is, this statement's made. He prepared our way to heaven by what he took place on the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And as Pastor talked about the other Sunday, putting that, that, his blood on the mercy seat, and he's our high priest, and he's up there pleading our case. Listen, you stop and realize how secure we are in Christ. But why should we chew our fingernails and fret and worry, and what are we going to do? Brother Barbara, have you seen the news? I try not to. I, I usually catch the weather and not worry about the rest of it. I mean... They said, well, this person shot this one and this one, this one. Go turn the Chicago news on. All right? My wife and I were laughing on the, the way in. To our, my son was shot in Chicago out on a bus route. All right? Dummy, dummy didn't know how to dodge bullets. That's all, you know. Uh, and and, and it, it didn't even break the skin. I mean, that's what's going on. It's some gangbanger shooting at each other, and he got a stray bullet. But you know how encouraging it is when you pull in? We were going up to pastor school, and we pull in the motel, and you get handed a note saying, you need to call Sergeant so-and-so at St. Elizabeth Hospital. And I said, okay. So I get the number. I call. This is before cell phones, back in the old days. And I didn't crawl up the telephone pole, you know. But, uh, and I call, and Sergeant so-and-so says, now, Mr. Farber, Reverend Farber, I think he said, you don't need to be alarmed, but your son's been shot. My, my first thought was, <laughs> you know, before that, I thought, what would my son do, you know? Because Chad's so much like his mother, you know, and getting in trouble and things like, you know. So I thought, what did he do? He, he, he turned around and, anyways, your son, don't, don't worry, your son's been shot. Oh, boy, that's great. I've been looking forward to that, you know. <laughs> and he gave his directions to go on and stuff like that. And he, by the way, he was, shot, he was shot by Jesus. Jesus Ocampo was the guy that shot him. And so, uh, but anyways. No, wait, stop realizing God's in control of things. He said, were you worried about it? Honestly, I, I'm not smart enough to worry, I guess, because I know God's in control. And, and I like this, not only when you think of that, he says, uh, he says, I will come again. He's got a planned reception. And I like what the, what the angel said in, in Acts chapter 1, this same Jesus that you saw going up. He, he's not sending an a, 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 a angel to come say, come on up. No, he's the same Jesus to come back to get us. So why should I be worried and troubled? Why should I get upset? Why should a Christian not be troubled? Number two, I'd put down because of the perfect way that was, has been provided. And you know this passage, verse 4 of chapter 14. And uh, 
And he says, whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, <laughs> Thomas messed up several times. We get after Peter and all the rest of them. But he skipped church, and then he, <laughs> but anyway, he saith unto the Lord, uh, We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You stop and realize the, the destination we have is where Jesus is going. And it's going to be there, and it's been approved by the Father. I mean, we've got it. Well, why do we have to Is your trust in Christ, or is your trust in the bank? Is your trust in the government, or is your trust in Christ? See, there's no reason for us to get all upset. You say, Brother Parker, you make it sound so easy. Forgive me if I make it too easy, but it, to me it is because I, I, it's not the trust in me. I can't work it out. Now, I plan. I try to organize. I try to work things. Folks laughed at me when I first came here on staff, and they said, we're having this, 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 and it's going to be in October and July. I had it all organized, planned out. We have to do this by this, by this, by this way. He's a lot the same way. All right, we're just organized. We're, we, we, we work that way. Other folks shoot from the hip, all right? I'd rather turn around and have a scope and <laughs> zero in on it and let blow it apart. Uh, but, but they laugh at me. And I try to plan and organize. I, I plan my finances. But God's in control of that. I say, what if it doesn't work out? I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Remember, I got that mansion and streets of gold. If I'm really getting rough time, I'll see if I can go up there and dig up a pothole and bring it back with me or something other, you know. But stop and realize that what we have, uh, the, the, what God has provided for us and, and a home in heaven, and it's there. Uh, and and <laughs> how do we travel to that place? By faith. Simple faith. Yeah, that's the hard part. No, no it's not. I realized as a 12 and a half year old boy, I couldn't save myself. And if I died, I'd die and go to hell. But I found out Jesus, who I always knew as a curse word, because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't always knew that as profanity. I found out that Jesus loved me and died on the cross of Calvary for me and died for me. And he says, whosoever will. And I said, I will. And he saved me. Oh, listen, it's been a wonderful life. I mean, it's been 58 years that I've been saved, and, and he hasn't let me fall out of his hands yet. And, and if he'd happened to wring his hands a little bit, he's in the Father's hands. <laughs> and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And if, if I die and go to hell, the Holy Spirit lives, and he has to go too. He's not going. You stop and realize how secure we are and what's God given us. So why should we worry or fret? Why should we get, but Brother Parker, look at what's going on. Read the book of Revelation. A lot of that stuff says it's going to go on. But read the last chapter or two, all right? Look, look at ch chapter 4 and verse 1. We're going up. Amen. Chapter 19 and verse 11, we're coming back down riding horses. So I'm not a good horse rider. You'll learn while you're up there for seven years. Amen. You'll figure it out. You'll have a glorified horse riding body or something other. I don't know. Listen, stop and realize what God has planned for us. Why should a Christian not be troubled? Uh, look, look down in chapter 13 and vo verse 14. Because of the privilege of prayer that we have in Christ. Look in verse 13, chapter 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my, in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus, did you ask anything in my name? Why? Because it glorifies the Father. You say, boy, I'd like God to be pleased with me and, and be able to do something for him. Then you ask in the Lord's name. What, what's in the Lord? It's doing what the Lord would have you do in the Lord's will. It's not just you come with a Santa Claus list and say, oh, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. 
But you come and ask for what God wants. You can pray for each other and not worry about that being wrong, praying for each other. Because Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says we can come boldly into the throne of grace. And when we come in there, we're praying for help for others. That's what that promise is all about. You say, well, so-and-so, I just don't know how to pray for him. You can go bold. Now, it's not, you don't go in there irreverently. If you stop and realize who you're addressing, and that it's the King of kings and Lord of lords, that it's your heavenly Father, you don't come in, listen, but you come in and boldly to him and say, listen, I, I, I've got to, I'm, I'm not worried about my needs, but I, I'm asking for how many times we prayed for Miss Heather Neal and all that she's going through. I trust you're praying for each other, and I start. I hesitate to start saying names because I've got, <laughs> I got a bunch of them on my prayer list, and I pray for. Uh, when I pull up my head, I pray for probably about forty of you, and all of you, all of us are old timers, and I'm praying for. All right, and I pray you get a good night's rest, a good night's sleep. Uh, I, pray, I pray, you know, and, and different things like that. Uh, you say, well, how do you remember all that? I can't remember what I did thirty seconds ago, but I can think about folks come across my mind, and I can pray for them, and the Lord take care of them. As folks are traveling. Uh, I, I don't know when the pastor left or if he left already or what's going on, but to pray for them as they're traveling. I just found out tonight we've got some men that are going to go up and bring some of those uh, units down. And uh, so I, I'll be praying for them as they travel. All right? uh, and, and by the way, if I'm praying for somebody else, I can come in boldly. So I don't want to pray selfishly. You, you're not praying selfishly if you're praying for you, somebody else. And I'm a little bit quirky. I don't pray much for myself. I pray for power and God. Uh, I pray for God's love. I pray for God's wisdom for myself. Uh, pray God help me to do what's right. I ask him to forgive me. <laughs> that, that, that takes 7, 10, 12 hours a day probably for all the things I do. Uh, no, I ask God to forgive me. When I'm, when I'm praying boldly for you, that's what takes. No, but then you stop and realize that all God allows for us. We can come. Prayer is a sin killer. It, it's hard to sin while you're praying. You know, uh, <laughs> prayer is an obstacle remover. When, when you get close enough to the Lord to pray about needs that you have and burdens you have, you find out those burdens aren't nearly as heavy because he told us he'd take, to take his yoke upon us and then he'd take the yoke with us. And we just continue to go forward, keep serving him, realize that we have prayer. Prayer is a blessing bringer. I don't know why I put it alliterative like that, but I put blessing bring up. All right. But if you'll stop and think of the blessings of God, I've said this many times, and, and often when I, when I have a chance to teach or preach, uh, David was a man after God's own heart. David was not sinless. But you stop and think how thankful David was and how much time he spent praising God. And I promise you, if you'll stop and just start thanking God for what he's done for you, what he's given you, you say, but, but Barbara, we all have problems. If you start thanking for all the blessings, the problems don't seem to show up. They don't seem to be that big. I am a blessed man. My wife can tell you, oftentimes during the day, I'll tell her, we are so blessed. And to stop thinking, she has me for a husband, so I know she's blessed. No, I am blessed that she puts up with me. And whatever. And we have a blessed marriage. And, and God's good to us. And and. Folks think we're crazy. We don't fuss and fight. Now that we're old, we can't remember to do that. All right? We don't put it on the calendar. We've never had a fuss, never had a fight. I, after I do, I start saying, yes, ma'am, and it works out quite well. All right? No. 
but, but we, we work together on that, all right? Because of the privilege of prayer. Uh, let, me, let me give you another one, and this is four, but we got more than four. Look down in verse 16. Why should a Christian not be troubled? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is ours. Verse 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you an, another comforter. I underline the, underline the word another comforter, and let's go on with that, that he may, may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, with whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. We're not going to spend a lot of time dissecting that, but he says another comforter. Well, you know who the comforter was to the disciples right then? It was Jesus. But he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Because Jesus already told them he wouldn't be with them very long. He was going away. But you know, Jesus, because he, he was God and robed in flesh, he was the God-man, Jesus could only be with them where they were. But he's going to send another comforter. And you know what the blessing of the Holy Spirit is? He's not only going to be with you, he told the disciples, he'll be in you. And the Holy Spirit, because he's in us, wherever we're at. So you, you, there can be a Christian in, in Spain, uh, uh, Brother Stanley's and, and uh, children over there in Spain, and the Holy Spirit living inside them and can take care of them, but also be with this Brother Stanley that's over here and Brother Hudson that's out there. I mean, you stop and realize the Holy Spirit's with us. And so he gives this promise to them. Don't be discouraged. Let not your heart be troubled because the, the, I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm not going to leave you alone. Aren't you glad the Lord doesn't leave you alone? <laughs> You're not sitting there, home, or, or you got an appointment. I won't see the Lord for another four hours and ten minutes. What am I going to do? He's always there. He's always there. Hey, the Holy Spirit is with us. He, he promised. Unfortunately, in most Christians, he's forgotten. He's neglected. But you stop and realize he lives, in, and you'll ask him. if you'll ask him, he'll lead you. If you'll ask him, he'll teach you. If you yield yourself to him, you get all the Holy Spirit you're going to get the moment you trust Christ as your Savior. But how much of you does he get? There's not a cup here and a cup here and a cup there or whatever, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's a person. But as you surrender your life to him, he gets more and more and more and more of you. And that's the filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and he's there to convict us when all of a sudden we, we're starting to do something wrong or think something wrong or whatever, and he'll bring it to our attention and say, whoa, 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 back up, that's not it. And sometimes we just plod ahead because we're steadfast. It's a nice word for saying stubborn. But uh, we're just going to do what we planned on doing, and all of a sudden we get in trouble. We say, like Peter walking on water, Lord, help me. All right? We turn around and see he's, he's indwelling. Uh, and, and, but notice what he said. He abides, he, he, another comforter, and that he may abide with you forever. You don't get the Holy Spirit, lose Holy Spirit, get the Holy Spirit, lose Holy Spirit. He's not a yo-yo. He's there forever. <laughs> what, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. You're not your own, towards 20, and you've been bought with a price. I remember as a teenager reading that verse, and, and, and by the way, reading that passage as a, about a 16-year-old, 15-year-old young man, I took all my dreams and threw them in the trash can. How many of you watched that uh, space shot that went up out of Texas the other day? Wasn't neat? I'd love to do that. I was set up to be an astronaut. 
I was already lined up. My life was planned and everything. I'd already talked to uh, Nassau, talked with several of the first astronauts and whatever. Some of you know my testimony and stuff like that. I took all of that and threw it in the trash can. Why? Because it's not mine. That same one that bought me and paid for me on the cross of Calvary and paid for my sins, he purchased me. And he says, you don't belong to yourself anymore. And so all the dreams said, wouldn't you love to be? I want to be what God wants me to be. That's all I want. All right? He hadn't got much to work with. But when I surrendered my life to him, that's exactly what I told him. God, you ain't got much, but I'll give you everything I got. And stop and realize he'll, li he'll live inside of you and he'll guide you and he'll take you. He comforts you. And I thank the Lord for friends and whatever that can comfort and help. But no one comforts like the Lord does. The Holy Spirit. When you just think, boy, I just don't know if I can take another step. What are you going to do? And he's always there. Or he'll send somebody by. They'll just have the right words to say. I, I remember my, my son pastoring out in Kansas. He had his first member that passed away. And he, and, well, actually, it was a member that had a child that passed away. And he called and said, Dad, what do you say? What are the magic words? <laughs> I said, son, I never took that course either. I said, just ask God to use you. And sometimes it's just being close. Sometimes it's a hand on the shoulder. Sometimes it's just being there knowing that you're there. And God can use you and take care of it. But there's no magic words. I said, but pray for him. The Holy Spirit's presence is always there. His teaching. He'll teach you if you'll let him teach you. So I read my Bible and I just don't get much out of it. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you to learn? To teach you as you go through it? Number five on this, we we, we got to hurry. I can't go over time or pastor will turn around and take it off my next time, I guess. No. Uh, because of the abiding peace that Jesus gives. Why should a Christian not be troubled? We already looked at verse 27. Let's look at it again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. All the peace that passes understanding. The peace that God gives. The world is searching for it. They're trying everything they possibly can to get peace. I mean, whether it be alcohol, drugs, fame, fortune, whatever. You ever notice the folks are the most miserable people around? <laughs> are the ones that are going after all that? Because there's that, there's that desire, I, I want to have peace. But notice Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, but it's not as the world's peace. There's just something about being a child of God. Knowing God's in control, that he'll take care of you. And what we need to do is just trust him. Let not your heart be troubled. What are you saying? Don't worry about it. But, but the disciples, I, I see, but Peter's saying, Lord, don't you understand what's going on? We've got a betrayer with us. I'll take care of him. I mean, if he can cut off the, the servant's ear, you know, <laughs> I'll take care of it. He won't betray us. No, no, no. Boy says it's all in, it's all in the Lord's plan, it's all in the Lord's timing. And the Lord knew what was going on. He 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 knew about Gethsemane. He knew about the cross. He knew what God had. He didn't. He wasn't excited about the fact that the Father was going to turn His back on him because he couldn't look upon sin. But he knew before the foundations of the world, the Bible says, what would take place because of the love of God. For his creation lost mankind. But because of the holiness of God, he couldn't take sinful man back into his presence. And because of the justice of God, somebody had to pay for those sins. 
You say, but if somebody dies without Christ, they'll spend eternity paying for their sins. That's true, because they choose not to accept Christ. But the eternal Son of God, but a moment in hell. See, see how the equation works out? You've got eternal Son in hell taken care of against eternity in hell for sin. See, he's eternal. And he paid the price for our sins. He said, Brother Farber, i got some problems. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Because God has things already taken care of. He's, got, he's given you, he's got you a home in heaven. He said, I'm just having a rough day. Stop and think about heaven. <laughs> I wonder what my mansion looks like. I really don't care. I'm just going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be with loved ones. I've been gone on before. Stop and think about the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Stop and think about the blessings that you have. And the peace that you get to enjoy that the world can't have. Life's not that rough, is it? God's mighty good to us. Father, help us to serve you.